With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It has been a hundred and two very long trying days, but Rockets basketball is back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Harden My Take, the number one podcast on the dreamshake.com, home of all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. Jeremy Brenner here, and today we are kicking off Rockets 2020-2021 basketball today, and we don't have Michael Brown on the show. He has the day off, but we want to introduce you to one of our newest contributors over at the Dreamshake. Mr. Ray Lucas. Ray, so happy to have you on the podcast. And uh, how how you doing, man? Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm doing good. Um, just been looking at all stuff NBA related. My day is going pretty good because I've seen that the NBA is interested in adding teams. And that's good for me being from Seattle because that's something I've worked for a long time. Yeah. We are going from coast to coast. You're out on the West Coast. Uh, I'm out on the East Coast, and we're covering a team right in the middle, these Houston mm-hmm. Rockets who have had one of the wildest off-seasons probably in recent memory. I can't, I can't think of another team, man, that has had that this, you know, just hectic of an off-season. I just – like, what is the one thing that sticks out to you from this off-season? Probably probably just the fact that um, a big reason why both Harden and Westbrook wanted change was because of, like, the culture within the team. And it seems like there's been an effort to change that, but they still want out. So I think that's been something that's really stood out because it's a little confusing, but, yeah. Yeah, I like that you use the word culture because – it appears that that is going to be like kind of the theme of this season, right? We got new coach, new GM, 
potentially a new focal point in the offense, whether or not James Harden is going to stay or go. And I think, you know, this season, it's very difficult to predict what actually is going to happen because we really don't know what the team's going to look like. And, you know, whether it be with Harden, without Harden, how long will the team have Harden? You know, it, it seems like any day now we're looking for, like, I just got a notification on my phone and I was like, is this it? Is this the one? Uh, is, is that the Woj bomb that I've been, you know, looking for for the past month and a half? Um, uh-huh. But it's just, let, let's just try to spec. I know, I feel like everyone tries to speculate. And especially with this report that came out yesterday about uh, Harden throwing a ball in the direction of, you know, my favorite rocket of all time, Jay Sean Tate. Um, <laughs> We should change this podcast to Jay Sean Tate, my take, or something like that. I don't know. But, like, Ray, we, we talked a little bit about this before the show, but what do you make of that report or the incident or whatever we're going to call it? Um, I think it was fishing for something more than anything. I think there's occurrences all the time that we don't hear about where players kind of crash or crash, I'm sorry, <laughs> players kind of clash in practice, especially because that's the time where you do it. Um, I think it's probably a thing of frustration. It probably is a thing about like the ongoing trade talks, but I don't know if it's necessarily as big of a deal as it's being made out to be. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, part of a fan, um, part of being a fan of a team, at least a true fan, is someone that sticks to your team regardless of anything that's going on. And I think that us Red Nation folk have kind of really learned the real meaning of that in this offseason. We haven't necessarily been losing all that much, but it, it feels like every single day we need to come to the defense of the Rockets. And it's just so difficult day in day out to do that and that I think has just been you know what's been the most stressful at least for me this offseason is just having to come to the defense of a team that you know doesn't deserve a whole lot of it look I'm not gonna say that James Harden was right or wrong in what he did or if that thing was true or not but I think you're right I think that you know the media thrives off of chaos right they want to tell stories that are chaotic because that is what people want to hear honestly people would much rather see a drama than a you know than just you know a smooth sail a smooth sailing ship people care they want to see the they want to see the train crash they want to see the ship sink they want to see the they want to see hell basically that's why the spurs are so underrated is because the spurs never had any of that and that's you know and they they still are probably the best team of the 2000s um next to those lakers in 2000 2000 and you know the early 2000s but i just think that story with harden it kind of contributes to the whole chaos the narrative that people are looking for when it comes to harden and it's just it's so frustrating because i mean ray i'm sure you've been kind of in this group but we've defended Harden for so long and just to see all of like the haters kind of thrive off of this. It's, it's disappointing. Yeah, definitely. I think um, just going on social media, um, a lot of people have been saying like James Harden is probably at this point now, one of the more underrated players in the league, just because people they'll call them boring to watch, but they won't appreciate what really goes into his game and what he does and if he gets moved from the Rockets to let's say a team like Brooklyn overnight people will start to appreciate it more just because he's with a lot more talent and he'll be on higher stages going deeper into the playoffs and things like that so I'm gonna it's gonna be interesting to watch the narrative about him change yeah and honestly the narrative about Harden ultimately the next step is very crucial, not just for the Rockets, but for Harden as well, because where he goes, he's going to be continued to be looked under the microscope. I feel similar Mm -hmm. to how 
Jimmy Butler was kind of kind of the same way, and um, Anthony Davis. But the difference between those two players is they eventually found better or greener grasses. They found uh, opportunity to win. They they improved in their second home or their third home or you know their fourth home in the case of Jimmy Butler. But they, needless to say, they improved after they left their original home. And you know, will Harden be in that same boat? Now, the Rockets have had, you know, it, there's a lot of pressure on this move wherever the Rockets decide to go. They're in a, they have a major fork in the road. And there has been so many different ways in which this can go. They can go, they can ride it out with Harden this year. They can uh, stop and deal him now because you know, the deadline, I guess, you know, for all we know, he could be traded before this podcast even gets released. But um, I just, where do you, do you think it's worth keeping Harden? And if so, for how long? Um, I'd say it's worth keeping him up until around the trade deadline, because at that point, I think it's in March. Yeah, March 25th is the trade deadline this year. So yeah. about three months away. Mm-hmm. And so at that point, teams will kind of know if they need to get more desperate because um, as every fan of an NBA team knows, the window to win a championship is so small. Mm-hmm. And you want to make that move that puts you in the best position to do so. And I don't think a team is desperate enough right now to give up a whole bunch for James Harden. Mm-hmm. But if, let's say, Philadelphia starts to slip a little bit, and they see Brooklyn, and they see um, Milwaukee, and they see Boston really running out in front of the Eastern Conference, then maybe their stance will change about a Ben Simmons deal, who I think is probably the best player that they can get mm-hmm. for him, along with some other assets. It's going to take more than just Ben Simmons. But, yeah, I think up until the deadline is probably their best bet. That's a good point that you bring up in that, you know, teams right now, What's so frustrating about it is they're like, oh, why would we trade, you know, five first-round picks for James Harden when you have Drew Holiday over here going for three? Like, and, you know, all respect to Drew Holiday. That dude is a great NBA player. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe very good NBA player, I should say. Not great, but Harden is on a different level than Drew Holiday. I don't think that's up for debate. Yeah. So to say that, you know, you wouldn't give up two more firsts in – it's just kind of – you know, odd. And I know that Drew Holiday didn't go for like a young star like the Rockets are looking for, but the package that Drew Holiday went for, and I'm using that as an example because he was probably the highest profile player traded this offseason. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking that that's kind of what you're looking at right now is as the kind of comparison. And if you look at the Anthony Davis trade, that's another like Anthony Davis was never going to go back to to the Pelicans. That was never a question. So, and, and to the same point, same Harden's kind of in that same boat. Harden has made it clear. He's not coming back to the Rockets in two years when his contract is up. Now, can that change? Very, very unlikely that it will, but the Rockets can get a type of package that resembles that. And I, and look, Brandon Ingram is great. Brandon, Brandon Ingram's an all-star, but, you've got to look for a guy that's even better. And that's why Ben Simmons does make a lot of sense. Um, but also, when you're dealing with Philly, you're dealing with Daryl Morey, who knows how – you know how much he wants him. You know how much he values him. So you're going to ask mm-hmm. for the right value. And Daryl Morey is going to try to pull every trick out of his bag that we are all very aware of and figure that out too. Now – I like your, your thought process, Ray, about the deadline, just because that is when teams will start to get a little more desperate. But you also have to look at the Rockets here, for example. Like, if the Rockets get to the deadline and they are in contention, they're in the thick of things in the West, you look at the Rockets and you say, well, is it right for the Rockets to deal him? Because, honestly, if, if the Rockets have James Harden, at least through the first three months of the season, I think mm-hmm. the Rockets can be right there in the West for a playoff spot, for a chance to make some kind of deep run. 
whether it be the second round or the finals. To me, I think that that presents a very complicated situation, catch-22. But, Ray, what about this has not been a catch-22 situation? Um, say that last part again. What I mean, what about this has not been, you know, a catch-22 where it's been like, you know, there's been totally – it, it there's there's always pros and cons to every single move and there's so many of them that and that's why this move is so um it's so key what mm-hmm. they do here with Harden the timing of the move has to be right the play the package and return has to be right the destination has to be right there's so many things that have to go the right way here in order for it to work it's a lot of pressure for Rafael Stump yeah so i think um, a big thing for the Rockets is, like you were saying, if they get to the deadline and they're in contention, they're not going to want to move on from him because if you're the Rockets and you look at the moves that you made this offseason, there's no doubt that you improved your roster from the previous season. And in the previous season, you lost to the team that went on to win the NBA championship. Like, it's not like you lost to Denver or the Jazz or anyone like that. You lost to the team that won it. And the big thing has been like running it back and trying it again. And this wouldn't necessarily be trying it again because they changed some things. It'd be like taking a whole new approach to it. And so if I was Rockets personally, I wouldn't want to move him, which is why it's like it becomes so conflicted because you don't want to move him, but you don't want to wait too long and then get nothing for him. And so I think that's probably been the biggest delay out of everything and that's yeah that's what's going to be so key in these first couple of weeks too because there's a lot of there's a lot of chatter about how oh he'll be gone by january 1st like channing fry said that on nba tv a couple days ago um Mm -hmm. where he's going to get dealt like pretty early in the season kind of like how jimmy butler was um but then you also have to keep in mind that his value might be his value might fluctuate you never know he could go out tonight you know, God forbid, hope this doesn't happen, but, you know, tear his Achilles because apparently that's kind of like, you know, a contagious disease on this team with so many guys. It's four guys in the last two years that have turned their Achilles, but um, hopefully that doesn't happen. Never want to wish an injury on anyone. Uh, Uh But, like, if that happens, then the Rockets have absolutely no leverage at all. And then, so, you you always run that risk. I mean, I know Harden stayed relatively, you know, pretty pretty healthy for – his eight plus years here, but I don't know. Just, I think the Rockets just, they have to make them, they have to make a move and stick by it. And if, if it goes South, if the move they make is not the right move, I mean, I'm not going to say like Deandre Hopkins esque poorly, Mm -hmm. but if it does, at least they have the cushion from around this team that can resemble somewhat of a team that's going to be competitive, not necessarily contender, but that's competitive. And that's what I like about this off season. That's been the one good thing about this off season is they've built a competitive roster around James Harden so that when they eventually do make this move, whether it be today, tomorrow, March 25th, or next off season or never, mm-hmm. they have the right pieces in mind. So, let me let, let's kind of pivot away from James Harden a little bit. Let, let's talk about the rest of this team, the team that we know is going to be part of this upcoming season. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite new piece on this team? And it can be someone that they brought in. It can be uh, a new role for a guy like Eric Gordon, um, who should get, um, I think looks, his outlook is a lot better in this type of offense than in Mike D'Antoni's offense. What, new wrinkle about this team ray excites you the most um i think the easy answer would probably be christian wood but i think i'll go with john wall just because his ability to facilitate is such a big thing for this team like you see the off-ball movement that they had in the preseason there were some clips that went around twitter that really emphasized that is the movement the screens all that it just looked really smooth and really fluid and the fact that he looks really quick as well quicker than I was expecting to be honest Mm -hmm. he looks really good and his three-point shot looks like he really put a lot of work in with that 
I think he's going to surprise a lot of people just based off how well he can still play. We're going to get a brand new John Wall than any of us are really considered. Honestly, it still really hasn't hit that John Wall is part of this team because the John Wall that I know, and I know the John Wall you know best, Ray, is the one that was at Kentucky. And Mm. that Kentucky team was like a pearl. That team was so exciting to watch. It was it was really like the first, I guess, if you want to call it the one and done era that John Calipari had at Kentucky. Um, mm. But that team, I remember, was just such an exciting team. And John Wall was the biggest reason why. He facilitated the offense in a way that very few could. Um, and he was just, and I think just Washington going there. I mean, he had a very, he brought Washington, I think, as far as he could. And, you know, he was loyal to D.C., he signed the long-term deals. He stayed there as long as he could. And ultimately, you know, it's just the way that the NBA is built, like John Wall had to go through um, like the Cleveland years with LeBron. He had to go through the Miami years with LeBron. Um, let me look at John Wall in like the playoffs because they made a couple of uh, postseason runs into the second round. And that was really the mm-hmm. furthest that he was able to take that team. But those were his teams. Those weren't Brad Beal's teams. Those were – like 2017, he went to the second round. He was averaging uh, 27 a game in the 2017 playoffs. That's, I mean, it's pretty impressive. He took the Celtics, uh, who were the number one seed that year, to seven games. But, I mean, John Wall, I think – I like what you said about him, right? I think that he's got a lot of pieces in his game that we haven't really been accustomed to seeing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he adapted his game real well. I think those injuries when they're leg injuries, I think they really give you a chance to work on your shooting yeah. because okay. what else do you have to do? Like, if you look at DeMarcus Cousins, like, yeah, he could shoot, but the way he's been shooting in the preseason is kind of still, it's like, oh, he can like shoot, shoot now. Yeah. It's an improved jump shot. Mm-hmm. Him and, too. I mean, he's also had two brutal, you know, lower body injuries. Yeah. I'm surprised he's come back as good. I thought he was going to be like a little bit more slow, but he's really looking good for someone who went through those injuries. Yeah. So already we've mentioned uh, Christian Wood, who was the easy answer because obviously him, but then there's also John Wall. There's also DeMarcus Cousins, but I kind of want to talk about John Wall or no, not John Wall, but Christian Wood versus DeMarcus Cousins. Now, Mm -hmm. The team obviously signed Christian Wood to be their guy, and they kind of took DeMarcus Cousins as a, uh, you know, they took him on a one-year non-guaranteed contract. They were very low-risk, high-reward with him. Mm-hmm. But from what we've seen so far, it looks like DeMarcus Cousins is going to have a role on this team. However, Steven Silas has also said that Christian Wood is a five, and you're – it's like, do you think – we're going to see lineups. I know, like, Steven Silas hasn't really alluded to it, but how do you feel about Wood and Cousins sharing the floor? Do you think that they have the ability to do that, or do you think it's only going to be a case of when one of them can really play? I think it depends on the matchup. I don't think it's a every night type of thing, but when you're going against a team that's a little bit smaller, um, obviously no one's going to be as small as the Rockets were last year, but yeah. just – a team that lacks size a little bit in the interior. If you throw both of those guys in, they both have the ability to play outside. I think it could work. I don't know if I'd use it as a starting lineup ever, but just those spurts where maybe you're getting out-rebounded, re- maybe um, a team's just scoring at will in the paint. Like against the Lakers, Lakers are really big. They have a lot of guys who are down there in the paint. That lineup will probably help a whole lot more than – anything else they could throw at them. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of what the reason why the Rockets kind of got pushed out of the playoffs is the Lakers kind of exposed the fact that they were small. And there was a point though where the Rockets were kind of forcing the Lakers to play small. Yeah. But the thing with the Lakers is they had the ability to play both big and small. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what the Rockets have the ability to do as well. I think that you're going to see Christian Wood who you know He's, he's gotten a lot of comparisons to Kristaps Porzingis in that uh, offense. Kaylee Griffin brought it up on the last episode. Um, we had, you know, Steven Silas kind of bring up Kristaps in that comparison as well. And Kristaps plays the four, 
a lot in that Mavs offense. He also plays some five, but, um, you know, he, he kind of flips between the four and the five. So, I mean, I personally don't like the idea of Wall and Cousins on the floor unless mm-hmm. Cousins is more of, honestly, if he's more of like a four, if Cousins is more like the four and Wall and Wood is more like the five because you get Cousins in that, like, in that spot that he likes to shoot at, at, at the three-point line, mm-hmm. you can use him, like, as just a real big, you know, power forward almost. And you can it, – it's going to be difficult to play like a – you don't want to play like a five-out with both of those guys on the floor, but you have the ability to do that, I think, because of the way that Cousins has kind of morphed his game into being, you know, morphed into a, a jump shot that he's created, a three-point shot that he's – you know, built in his repertoire. And then you have Wood who can play the pick and roll, play the pick and pop, drive if he needs to. I think you have the ability to put both of those guys on the floor. But like you said, right, it's just, I personally think it's best if you just put one out there because that's going to give you more flexibility with your other four guys. And to be honest, more defense. Like, yeah. it's going to be hard to see other lineups like you mentioned the Lakers that's probably the one example where they put out AD and um AD and Gasol or AD and um Montrez Harrell but like Montrez Harrell if if they play AD and Montrez Harrell Montrez Harrell can morph into like kind of like the four like kind of how he played in Houston um and then you have like Dallas like Dallas could play like you know Porzingis at the four and you know Dwight Powell at the five Powell can play more like the four but so ultimately, this is for me, like it's looking like I know we've only seen him in one game, but Christian Wood looks like the future of the team. Yeah, definitely. So that kind of limits, unfortunately, DeMarcus Cousins. Yeah, and I think um, as much as that sucks because of how good he's looked <laughs> in the preseason, sorry, my dogs, <laughs> um, as good as he's looked in the um, preseason. With him coming off of injuries, he probably won't play too many back-to-backs. Um, probably won't play super heavy minutes, which will let Wood thrive. So I think it's – we want to see him a lot, but he just might not be ready. So that's going to let Wood grow a lot more because he's not going to be fighting for those minutes with Cousins since he'll be on, like, a minutes restriction. Yeah. I definitely think a lot of guys are going to be on minutes restrictions. You have obviously John Wall, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, David Nawaba, all three of those guys coming off of major injuries. Um, Mm -hmm. And also the fact that the Rockets on offense, you know, last year, a lot of the guys were kind of just stagnant. They were kind of just standing in the corner or they're standing in their spot and they kind of let Harden do his thing or Westbrook do his thing. But this offense requires a lot more movement out of everyone, not just the ball handler, not just the point guard, but everyone has to be moving constantly on offense and defense. So that is going to maneuver and create opportunity. Like it's going to limit minutes from guys. Like people aren't going to be able to run 35, 40 minutes. PJ Tucker, bless him at, you know, 35 years old is not going to be able to play, you know, 30 or so minutes a night. And in the regular season, if you want him to be at his A game come postseason time, assuming he's still on the roster, which, you know, hopefully he is because he could be extremely valuable in the postseason. But ultimately, that's what this team is going to be so different from others. I think with Mike D'Antoni, it was very easy to be accustomed to this, you know, nine guys play and that's it. Nobody else, you don't get a shot. And eight and nine, you're playing five minutes of best. But I think we could see potential for 10, 11 guys a night playing ball. And then when you have guys like John Wall, like DeMarcus Cousins, that sit out that back-to-back or they, they take a day off for, for, you know, back spasms or something. Um, you know, and I say that loosely because of the rule with the whole resting players and whatnot. But um, you're going to see guys like this roster, one through 15 – is going to be super important, every single guy. I think especially with a shortened season. Yeah. 
because you have those games where you're going to play a team two times in two or three nights. Mm -hmm. And those guys who are deep in the bench, if they didn't play too much the first game, but you lost, they might see action in the second game because it's going to, if anything we've seen, it's going to be about adjustments this year, which mm -hmm. hasn't been a thing of the past, but. But it's a uh, thing maybe. now, for the future. <laughs> yeah, it's like adjustments. That's a big it's thing. <laughs> but it's just, you look at if they play, um, let's say the Spurs, and they lose that first game by 10, 15 points, then the coaching staff is going to look and they're going to say, well, what can we do different? Because you're not going to go and roll out the same unit that you just ran and try to attack them with the same game plan, which also I think prepares for the playoffs really well. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it would be a deep rotation. I wouldn't be surprised if it was like 11 guys. Mm -hmm. So which of those guys, I guess, in that 10, 11, 12 range, are you looking forward to seeing play this, this season and possibly carve out a bigger role than they had in the past? Um, I think Macklemore. Yes, I think the right answer. The, the <laughs> yeah. absolute, you've won the million dollars. Congratulations. That is the absolute <laughs> number one correct answer. Thank you. Yeah, I think um, his role, like he can shoot the ball really well for one. He's an athletic player. Um, and it's a, a lot of times effort defensively is key. Like, he doesn't necessarily have the size of a lockdown defender. Mm -hmm. But if the effort's there, then you're going to get stops regardless because not, you're not going to guard a Kevin Durant or someone every time down the floor. And I think that's one thing that small ball helped with leading into this year is that um, each possession in the playoffs, they had to give full effort on defense because chances are when you're so small, the team's going to score anyways. Mm -hmm. but you're doing your very best to stop them. And they did have a lot of stops in the postseason just as it went on. Their weaknesses got exploited. But I think moving forward now, they have this like that's the standard on defense is you did it last season, so you could do it again this season. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the, that's the part of the defense that I think is a, a benefit from the previous season. But also there's less switching. And, you know, the Rockets defense last year, switch everything, switch everything. Oh. And it works. It works. If you put the right players in that have the capability of doing that, it works. Unfortunately for a guy like Ben McLemore, the, the, the key to beating a, a thing like that is you get a guy like Ben McLemore, who, who's not the greatest defender, and you, you just simply get the mismatch, you put LeBron on him, and LeBron's going to score on you because LeBron's LeBron. And you know Ben McLemore, bless his soul, is not going to get that stop. But to be in his fairness, you know, not not many guys are going to get that stop on LeBron, especially mm -hmm. Bubble LeBron. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, Bubble Bron. But I just this so that will help guys like Ben McLemore. Also, the defensive guys that they brought in, like Sterling Brown, uh, John Wall, uh, like David Nwaba, those are better defenders. And you know, DeMarcus Cousins, he's a better defender for uh, – like, they have some real defensive stalwarts on this team. They could put out – like, if they need a stop, like, let's say final possession of the game. You, you know, you're up, you're up one, you need to stop. You can put out, like, John Wall, Sterling Brown, David Nwaba, uh, P.J. Tucker, and, you know, Christian Wood or DeMarcus Cousins. Or you can put out Christian Wood and DeMarcus Cousins, and you put – it's going to be difficult to, to, get a, to get a bucket on that team. Yeah, you could live with – if they score, they score, but it's going to yeah. be a contested shot. Exactly. And, look, the Rockets got beat on, I want to say, like two or three buzzer beaters last year. Mm -hmm. Like, man. But, I mean, not that that mattered, you know, at the end of the day. But, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I'm really looking forward to this defensive – Jay Sean Tate, too. That's also someone – okay, like Jay Sean Tate – like, we've been saying a lot lately, but I'm so excited for Jayshon Tate. Like, I think he's going to get legit minutes. I think we that, – that was proven in the first preseason game when he got the start over – you know, I know P.J. wasn't there, and P.J. will start at the four, you would think, um, as long as he's here. And, you know, I think Jayshon Tate also has a role on this team. They really like him. Will Weaver, you know, who coached him in Sydney, 
he knows his weaknesses in and out. They really like him. And, you know, they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have, I think, gotten rid of Gerald Green if they didn't like him. They signed him to a four-year contract too. So like, they really like Jay Sean. I think he's gonna be the biggest surprise this season to, to most of the NBA because not a whole lot of people know who he is. And that I think is a good thing because it's kind of like a, kind of like a secret weapon in a way. Right. I think, Yeah. you know, and you know, he's going to be the next, if he's going to be the next namesake of the podcast, like he, he's got a real good shot. I think, you know, pardon my tape. That could be it. That could be the next, that could be the next <laughs> name of the podcast. The J yeah. train. Uh, I'm the conductor of the J train. So, uh, you know, that I just, oh, I cannot, I could go on for hours about Jay Sean Tate, but uh, I'm going to, you know, stop myself while I'm ahead. Um, but let's kind of talk about the top of this wing rotation. Okay. We talked about a lot about the lower guys, but you know, Eric Gordon, he has, you know, stated in the off season about how he was displeased with his ever so changing role in the offense. And Steven Silas has addressed that. He said uh, that players know, uh, that players are best that play their best when they know what's coming. That's that, those are his words. And he, and Eric Gordon said he's coming off the bench and that he's okay with it as long as it stays consistent. And as long as it's what's best for the team and that they win. What do you think about Eric Gordon coming off the bench? And also, I guess, assuming that means Daniel house, at least at the beginning of the season will start at the three. Yeah. So um, I think Eric Gordon his best opportunity comes from coming off the bench because he doesn't have to worry about um, shared reps offensively with John Wall for James Harden for however long he's here. And then obviously Christian Wood is a scorer. So he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot too. But if you bring in Eric Gordon, he could kind of be that player where he runs the bench unit and the scoring goes through him. And with him, he's mainly a scorer. And usually those guys who are mainly scorers, they really thrive in that six-man role because they come in and give you a big burst um, offensively off the bench. So I think that's probably what suits him best. But um, going back to what you were just saying about Jay Sean Tate, um, I think the excitement for him is, like you said, like a secret weapon because obviously um, the most like famous moment from this podcast came from Alex Caruso, and he's what the Lakers, he's their secret weapon. There's, I mean, not so yeah. much a secret yeah. anymore. And if you look at Alex Caruso, like the frustration in the playoffs that a lot of people had was the fact that he's scoring so many points because that's not necessarily what he's supposed to do. Mm-hmm. But if he scores 16, 18 points, then chances are the Lakers are going to win. And so I think if Jason Tate can become that where – you come in, you make winning plays, but then if you come in and score 18, chances are that's a victory. I think that can be really big. I think every contender needs that guy, or every team really needs yeah. that guy that can come and give that energy and that burst. That's a very, that's a very good point. Um, I, I mean, I don't know if we're going to see a whole lot of 18-point games out of Jay Sean Tate. I think mm-hmm. um, the minutes will be a big reason why, but also I like his intrigue more on the defensive end. Um, the fact that he's just six, four, but plays, he's a, he's sized like a guard, but plays like a forward and can play and can guard one through five. Mm-hmm. Those like any kind of, any time you get a guy like that, you're going to excite like that. Those are the kind of guys that you just want to see more of. And that's why I'm so excited about Jay Sean Tate is just that he, he's like a utility guy. Like, I guess if I can use a Houston example, like a, like Marwin Gonzalez for the Astros when he was here with the, um, when he was here as the, uh, you know, the championship team, the 2017 team, you uh-huh. know, Marwin Gonzalez was beloved in Houston because the dude could play any position and the dude was kind of just, you know, not the guy you expected to, you know, show out, but he did. He, he, he performed, he, you know, he hit a home run in the World Series. Like, he was the guy that the Astros needed in order to win that championship. So, you need guys like that who will put out, play wherever you play them, and just give it everything they have. And 
you know, he also has something to prove too. That's another thing about this team that every look, everybody is is doubting this team. Everyone is doubting the Rockets right now. The Rockets, they have such low expectations placed upon them because of the, you know, all the hell that they've been through this offseason. But this team, every single person has something to prove. It, it almost feels like Houston versus the world. John Wall has something to prove. Demarcus Cousins has something to prove. Nawaba, something to prove. Jay Sean Tate, something to prove. PJ Tucker. James Harden, um, you know, Eric Gordon, every single person on this team has a chip on their shoulder, has yeah. something that's pushing them to be better because so many guys have counted them out. Christian Wood as well, a guy that went undrafted, been a six teams in five years, and now he's finally got a strong enough contract in the role and the ability to be a star, which and nobody – pegged him as that coming out of college so that is I think what I like the most about this team is that there's so many guys that are playing for something that are playing with a chip on their shoulder Ben McLemore too there's just so many guys that you know have something to prove and I think that's when you get your best basketball and I think that's why the Rockets did as well as they did last year is because you know they had something to prove um and yeah what like I guess let's try to pivot now. But Daniel House also, another guy with something to prove. And I'll be the first to say that I was not happy with Daniel House uh, after the bubble. I was very, very frustrated. And, you know, for those of you that have been listening for the last couple of months, know how frustrated I've been. And I was, I would surprise to find out that he would be on the roster still. but, you know, I'm willing to give him a new season, new slate. As long as he's performing and playing his best basketball, you know, that's what matters to me. But, Ray, I want to hear your thoughts on, on Daniel House. I haven't heard a whole lot about that. But uh, what do you think about Daniel House being the starting three on this team and what he has to offer this season? Um, well, first, I'm, I was surprised that he was on the team yeah. as well, too. Um, I definitely usually those mistakes there's not much room for them like if you just look at Dwayne Haskins with the Washington football Mm -hmm. team um, we'll see what happens there he probably wouldn't get cut or anything but a trade in the offseason wouldn't be all that surprising just because of putting your team at risk during a pandemic but I think him starting at the three is a really good spot for him because he's able to just spot up and shoot and he doesn't necessarily have to worry about creating and he's shown that like he can get to the basket and finish he usually gets up and tries to throw down a crazy dunk Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it looks like he's transitioning to layups a little more so that's nice because those are a little more high percentage but I think him at the three is a really good fit because I think defensively he's shown that he's capable and he could really be a three and d player Usually those guys have a little more size, like more of a traditional wing, but this isn't necessarily a traditional NBA anymore. So I think he could thrive at that three spot. I'd rather see him in the starting lineup and Gordon coming off the bench. Daniel House, he can share the floor with guys like James Harden, John Wall, and they have guys that have more creator-like tendencies. So I I think that fit is better get – you get strong production off the bench. You know, last year, I think the Rockets were like 28th in bench scoring. Um, And a lot of that had to do with the fact that Eric Gordon was hurt for a lot of the year. Um, And after Eric Gordon, their team really didn't have much else. Um, But now you have, now you have Eric Gordon on the bench, hopefully healthy for the season. DeMarcus Cousins, who can, you know, who you're going to go to often when he's on the floor. He's a guy that, you know, can post up, can go for three. He can, do a whole lot on, you know, and there's been Macklemore shooters that, you know, are looking, you know, shooters that can space the floor like him, PJ Tucker, if he, well, PJ Tucker's going to be in the starting lineup, but he'll be seen in a lot of bench lineups, I guess. Um, and even like, you know, one guy that I, we haven't really discussed yet, but I kind of just want to briefly mention is Mason Jones. Mm-hmm. especially if the Rockets make a trade for a guy like Pascal Siakam, 
because I know he's been a lot. He's been rumored in potential package. If they get, go out and got like Pascal Siakam, that's going to really desperately add a need for a guard. And I think that the reason why, and look, Chris Clemens obviously went down. And that's, you know, unfor- very unfortunate. Uh, but the team also had Jerry and Grant. And the team could have kept Jerry and Grant, but they chose not to. So really, the only backup that the team has is Mason Jones. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of him in this early part of the season because I do think, you know, the rules for the um, the two-way guys this year is a little bit different. It's It actually benefits the two-way players a little more. I hope they kind of keep this for the future. But they're allowed to play in 50 games out of 72. So that means we could see a lot of Mason Jones. I think that we're more likely to see him towards the end of the season. Like, I think games in which John Wall is for sure there, like, he, we're going to see – we might see Mason Jones take one of those games to sit out. Um, but I think he could make an impact too, especially if the team is kind of, you know, thin at the guard position. What do you think? Yeah, I could see him getting a big role because – Obviously, once James Harden leaves, there's a lot of spots that are open, and it really depends on the hall that comes back more than anything. If you get, like you were saying with um, Toronto, I'm guessing they get Siakam. I could see Norman Powell, and then the rest kind of have to figure it out. But um, I could definitely see him getting more reps, especially because if a team's getting younger, they really want to get their young talent involved. Like you don't want to have a young player just rotting away on the bench and then he develops and then he turns into another team's treasure because he had a talent that never really was tapped into. But the fact that he got minutes in the preseason, I think is promising. The fact that he's still on the roster is promising because we've seen guys like Jerry and Grant get waived. Um, Gerald Green, obviously, even though he's a vet, um, Kenny Wooten, I think a week ago. Mm-hmm. So I think he definitely has a role. It just might take a little bit until they tap into that. I think it'll be interesting though. Yeah. So we're about to pull this J train into the station. Uh, but before we go, we let's talk about tonight's game. Oklahoma yeah. City, a team that the Rockets are very familiar with, although it's going to be a team that looks – a little bit different than the one they saw in the bubble. No Chris Paul, obviously. Uh, so you would think that this is a game that the Rockets should win. Um, but what is one key, Ray, that you're looking to see tonight? What are you keeping your eye on tonight that you want to see in this first game? Um, I think just seeing how they approach their game. Like, Obviously, Oklahoma is a team that they should beat, and it's the opening night of the season, so you shouldn't be overlooking anyone. But I want to see the mindset that the team has coming into the game because, like you said, um, they're a team with a lot to prove, and we'll see that pretty quickly because teams with a lot to prove and teams with a chip on their shoulder, they don't overlook other teams because they're being overlooked themselves. So... I think just watching how they come out, how they communicate, um, just the adjustments they make throughout the game, I think it will be really telling, maybe not for how the season will go, but just where the team is at mentally and how they're going to approach each game. Right. Now, this West is a gauntlet. That I think that, like, I've been kind of writing down all the teams and trying to see where they're going to play in the playoffs. There's a lot of teams with playoff hopes, and – you know, with a shortened season, there's only so many time. There's only so much room for error. And when you get a game like the Thunder, you need to win. I don't care if it's game one. I don't care if it's game 72. You need to go out and take care of business because there's not going to be a whole lot of games where you can do something like that. Um, if you look at the schedule after the Thunder, you have – you know, Blazers on the road on Saturday night, and then you have the Nuggets on Monday night. Those are two games that the Rockets won't be favored in. I'll tell you that right now. Um, yeah. But so you're looking at, and then, you know, after that, you got, you know, the Mavericks uh, in in a week or so. 
Uh, you got the Pacers. That's not going to be an easy game. You got the Lakers in early January. Like, there's not a whole lot of gimme games, especially this year and especially right now. You know, it's going to come down to teams that can take care of business when they need to and teams that stay healthy. That's honestly how it's going to be. And, you know, the Rockets need to come out tonight and, you know, take care of business because if they don't, that's like, it's kind of reminiscent of, do you remember a few years back? It was 2015 when they played the Nuggets on, on their first night, Ray. They were playing oh. the Nuggets. Ty Lawson was just assigned. Uh, it was the oh. year after they went to the West Conference Finals and they got blown out by 20 on opening night at <laughs> home. And that set up, you know, what was to be a long season. Now, I'm not going to say this game, you know, whether or not they win is going to dictate how the rest of the season goes. But like you said, the approach and how they take this game is going to be important and how they go about tonight could be a sign of what's to come. So I think this is a good place to park the rocket ship for now. Thank you so much uh, for tuning into this episode of Harden My Take. At least that's the name for now. We'll see uh, as the season goes along. But as the season goes along, the Dream Shake uh, podcast uh, team, me, Michael Brown, and of course, my co-pilot today, Mr. Ray Lucas. We will bring the content to you uh, periodically, probably a lot more this season than we have in years past. We're really excited about the team that we've built here for this season. Uh, Ray, Rookie Ray, love to have you on the podcast, sir. Uh, feel free to drop your Twitter handle below and uh, your final thoughts. Um, thank you for having me for starters um i had a great time this has been a fun experience i look forward to doing it again um the final thing i'd say is just for rocket fans who are a bit unsure at ben simmons uh the way i look at him is yeah there's some holes offensively like he can't shoot but if you look at floors and ceilings his ceiling we don't necessarily know if he gets a jump shot he's going to be a very great player for a long time. But right now his floor is a two-way player who can win defensive player of the year, just depending on how his season goes. And he's really hard to stop on the drive along with his ability to facilitate and play make. So I'd say take another look at Ben Simmons, take a longer look at Ben Simmons, and you might just warm up to the idea of him. And that's all I got. Well said, well said. And whenever this Harden trade does happen, uh, we will be here at Harden My Take for the final Harden My Take episode, I guess, for the uh, the emergency trade uh, podcast. Whenever that may be, it might be uh, it might be later today, it might be tomorrow, it might be uh, a few weeks from now, it might be March twenty fifth, and it might be never. But we'll we'll be here, we'll be here, and we'll also be at thedreamshake.com. Move all things Houston Rockets on SBNation.com. You can follow the Dream Shake on Twitter at DreamShakeSBN. You can also follow the new Harden My Take Twitter account at Harden My Take on Twitter. So be sure to throw that a follow and help us grow our following on Twitter. You can also check out the Dream Shake on Facebook if you're over there. Hand us, uh, give us a like and a thumbs up over there. And be sure not to miss a single episode of the Harden My Take podcast uh, by subscribing and downloading the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's podcast. And until next time, go Rockets.